tonight on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes, the centerpiece of major broadcasts on world events. 60 Minutes gives you the biggest headlines and best storytelling on TV and now on your schedule. President Trump's campaign. The term fake news. Role Russia may have played. From hard news and politics to lifestyle and pop culture, 60 Minutes gets the real story on America's most prevalent issues. The wall on the Mexican border. Humanitarian issues. Hear the 60 Minutes podcast on demand. Download and subscribe at the new radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here is Matt Cabry. Hey folks, welcome into Growing Greater Philadelphia. Today, our special guest, Mitch Geiger. Mitch is part of the leadership team. He leads operations for a Philadelphia-based company called OPS Security Group. Mitch, it's great to have you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So I know the name is pretty straightforward, but share with us a little bit more. OPS Security Group. How do you describe what OPS is for folks? So OPS Security Group is really an industry disruptor in the physical security guard space. So essentially it's taking something that's been around for, you know, probably centuries and putting our own twist on it. Okay. So I picked up on that nuanced terminology that you guys like to be a disruptor. What what does that actually mean to you guys? And is there an example of how your team stands out a little bit more than maybe some other traditional security service providers? Yeah. So for us, my partner and I, we started the business with an idea that, you know, security can and should be different. Over, I would say, the past 20 years, you've seen a large price war, especially with the giants in our industry. And so in order for them to do that, the only real way they could make up those savings was by paying the officers the same or less money. Okay, That's the biggest piece of what any bill rate is in our industry. So if you look at the past 20 years, you have security officers' hourly rates have either remained the same or even gone down. So as we looked at the landscape, especially in Philly, we looked at what are these officers making and why are there so many challenges with the service provided by third-party security guard companies? Right. You saw an opportunity. And it kind of dawned on us that you have someone that's in your front lobby or in your building that's supposed to be protecting and guarding your facility, your assets, the people that are living, working there, and you're paying them about what they can make at McDonald's. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I feel like the the first step is really getting someone to care about their job. Right. And it's kind of hard to get someone to care about their job when they're just worried about how they're going to buy dinner for their family. Yeah, right. It sounds like what I'm hearing is how do we engage this workforce in a way that takes it to the next level? The concept then evolved to we need to start with the employees. Right. Right. A lot of times people start with the client, what they want, what their expectations are, and how do we really work to meet those? But the people that are actually fulfilling the work and are working the hours at those locations are the most important thing. Right. They're on the front lines. So how do you not start with the most important thing to get to the finish line or to get to a successful end result and meeting expectations with your clients that you're providing the service for? Right. So we kind of took the idea, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your customers. And we applied it to this industry. Right. 
That makes sense. It really does. And it sounds like you're having success because you just celebrated. I think you uh, are just over six years in business now. Yep, just over six years. Uh, We got on the Inc. 5000 list this year. Wow, that's Uh, great. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Philly 100, Philly 76. Yeah. So uh, we've been uh, growing like crazy. That's great. So again, I know this next question is going to sound kind of obvious, but what are the types of services that OPS Security Group provides? So we provide all types of physical security guard services from service in a commercial mixed use development and uh, commercial real estate, whether it's residential, commercial, industrial, manufacturing, healthcare, pharmaceutical, government facilities. We do that both armed and unarmed. Okay. So just pausing there for a moment, if someone walks into an office building or a pharmaceutical company for a meeting, they may be greeted by someone who is an employee of OPS. That is correct. You walk into a, you know, we probably do 30 high-rise buildings here in Philadelphia. Okay. And what other kinds of services are there? So we do event security and we really focus and we try to be strategic in what events that we do. So a lot of our events are customers that have a high level need. They just need a really good service. While they do have a budget, they're really flexible. And really what's most important to them is meeting their end goal, Mm -hmm. not cutting as much out of the security budget as they possibly can. So we do events like the Broad Street Run, the Philadelphia Marathon. We did Dinner on Blanc a few weeks ago. We do the University of Delaware's Alumni Weekend. So certain events that they just need a high level of service. And personal touch. That's not always easy to find. It is definitely challenging. Yeah. So is there one area within the OPS world that stands out for you that causes you to say, wow, I'm really proud of how our team has addressed this particular opportunity or this particular challenge? So for us, it's really just changing people's mindset of how they view third-party security companies. I've had so many meetings where we go in, we talk to someone who's considering changing or who now has a need and didn't have a need before, but they have experience working with other security guard companies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the questions that I hear are really the same, they're just worded different ways. You know, my experience, I work with four or five other companies. It's really just the same people with a different uniform on. Right. And what we need is somebody completely different. Right. And so that for us really comes back to what our company's ethos is. So we don't have people that make 9 and $10 an hour. Right. So we kind of fish in a different labor pool mm-hmm. compared to most of our competitors. Uh, 90% of the people that we hire never worked in this industry before. Wow. So we really go after and look for people that have good natural abilities in customer service and hospitality. And we kind of give them the, the skill sets they need to be successful in this industry. Gotcha. So you find a characteristic type of individual and provide that training, and that really allows you to stand out. And my sense is there's a direct correlation between your approach, your ethos, if you will, and your retention and your growth, because I know there's high turnover in the industry in general, but that's not what's happening at OPS. Share with us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so our retention is probably two times or higher than that of our industry's average. You know, Hmm. most companies in this industry probably turn 60 to 80% of their frontline staff on an annual basis. Wow. We probably turn 20%. Yeah. Wow. That's big. That's huge. Because the cost to replace folks is also huge. Yeah, and that's just not even, you know, the soft costs associated with hiring, training, finding. That's also the cost to our clients of what happens when you have a new person in here. Consistency in staffing, continuity of operations with what, you know, the staff knows they should be doing. And if something happens, they respond properly. Right. So every time you lose someone or there's turnover, that ends up costing you dollars, whether you realize it or not. So we're talking with Mitch Geiger, who's part of the leadership team at OPS Security Group. And Mitch, that 
aspect of retention has to be a point of pride for you and your team. It really is. And that really speaks to what we're trying to do is working. Yeah. Right. So my partner and I, in the beginning, we had this idea and we weren't sure if it was going to work or if it was accurate. So, you know, six years in, uh, it's good to see that we were right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so in that spirit, share with us a little bit more about why Greater Philadelphia, because I suspect you could have opened this business anywhere you wanted to. I know you're native to Lancaster and I do want to hear a little bit more about the Mitch Geiger story. But why Greater Philadelphia, if you could have opened this anywhere? So for us, Philadelphia, we kind of looked at it as a central hub to where we really wanted to be. So while I was from Lancaster County, I I went to school here. My business partner was a police officer in, in Philadelphia and then moved out to the county before he retired. So he was relatively local. He lived in the city. I lived in the city. Yeah. It just seemed like the best place for us to start. I think there is also a lot of value in the potential labor pool here mm-hmm. compared to some other cities, especially when you evaluate cost of living standards relative to those other markets that might have an equal or greater labor pool as Philadelphia does. So proximity, labor pool. And also, my past experience, I did work in the industry for several years prior to starting the business, and I had a lot of good clients, contacts, and it was easy to kind of start here and build a base before we looked elsewhere. Yeah, that's key. That's for sure. And, you know, when you think about running a business and being what I would call you and your partner, an entrepreneur, what kind of advice do you give to other folks who are thinking about a career path and they come to you and he or she says, this is my idea. I want to start my own thing. What are some of those hurdles or some of those kind of rose spots that really stand out for you? So I had the same conversation with some mentors when I was starting. I've talked to a lot of people since then, and I hear a lot of different things from a lot of different people about what's most important. I think for me, in giving a little bit of advice to anybody else, it's really to be clear on your purpose. Mm. Some people start it because they feel it's a viable financial opportunity. And while those most oftentimes can work out, I feel like it's hard to make that work in the long run if you don't have a real clear purpose that resonates with who you are and what you want to do with your life. Right. That's great advice. You mentioned Lancaster County, and you mentioned your home is now in uh, Center City, Philadelphia. But what is the Mitch Geiger story? Take us through uh, your time growing up in Lancaster County and how you found yourself being part of the leadership team leading operations at OPS. So it is definitely an endpoint that I could have never foreseen myself, even when I came here to to go to school at Drexel. But I was born and raised in Lancaster County, grew up there in quite a different environment than I live now. Uh, And then I came here for school. Uh, I went to Drexel. I was there for four years. I did their co-op program, phenomenal program. I have nothing but great things to say. The experiences I learned there were amazing. I was also able to get some really good part-time jobs while I was in college. Sure. One of those was working in security. So that's kind of how I got my start was working just part-time while I was going to school, doing different jobs, working in different venues. And that kind of got me a little bit of experience. And then I was, I guess, fortunate or unfortunate, depending on perspective, to graduate in 2009. Okay. So when there were zero jobs to be had for people coming out of college, and I really had a decision and it was, you know, stay here and beg, borrow and steal to figure out how I can make my own way or go home and live with my parents and figure it out there. Sure. But luckily for me, I developed a a really good network of friends and people that I thought would make the struggle a little bit easier. So I got a full-time job working in security because that was the only thing after interviewing and submitting resumes for probably more than 100 different positions. Right. The only thing that was really left. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I had to pay rent. I had to pay my car payment. I had yeah. student loans that were going to be coming due at some point. So yeah. You had to make it happen. Yep. Yeah. So 
Well, I love your persistence, but I also love your resourcefulness because when the well was dry, you turned and looked at what assets you had around you, and it sounds like you were able to pivot the part-time experiences you had as a student at Drexel working in the security space into more of a career-focused area, which I suspect is not something you necessarily set out to do. No, it really wasn't. And even you know, even when I, I started the business, for me, getting back to the actual purpose of why I do what I do, right. for me, it's not even really about security. So it's really about the people that work at the company. Yeah. And it's helping essentially those that may have been for one reason or another disenfranchised. So outside of just providing career opportunities and jobs that provide actually real livable wages yep. uh, with benefits. We also tried to provide as many opportunities for advancement for those people as well. Of my entire management and office staff, I would say 85 to 90% of them started as a frontline security guard with wow. us. So it's really it's really giving other people a purpose, yeah. especially when they may have not understood or been able to find their own way otherwise. Yeah. We have, you know, so many success stories and, and this is what I like to call, you know, positive turnover. Mm-hmm. People that were with us for a few years and then used us as springboard into a career that they never would have otherwise. Right. Whether it was through the experiences of working with us or getting to know a different industry that we worked for. Right. I have people that have gone on to be leasing agents, property managers, police officers. We've had people that have come to us uh, with their only experience being working in fast food. Right. Not knowing what they're going to do with their life or how they're going to be able to even live by themselves to making a real comfortable income that can support a family of four. It sounds like you've given them not only the confidence, but the foundation to build a career-oriented life. Yep. And so that really is what my personal purpose is. Yeah. It's not so much dollars and cents. It's not so much growth. It's how can we help people Mm -hmm. and the people that currently work us? What else can we do for them to provide them a foundation so they can grow, so they can, you know, build a career and so they can have success in their life? Yeah, that's great. And I love that because it is about helping other people. And much of what we do in our lives is about helping others. And I love how you've kind of positioned this as a purpose, not only professionally through OPS, but personally through what you want to accomplish and how you interact with other people in your life. Mitch Geiger from OPS, take us back to, I'm going to guess, 2010, 2011. I know you launched the business in 2012, but were you sitting around your kitchen table with your partner and a couple other folks saying, this is our vision, this is what we're going to do? Well, I kind of developed it when I was working at another company after college. Mm -hmm. I saw the opportunity, and uh, my business partner I have known probably since 2008. Okay. So as I was working for this other company, we always kept in touch. We would hang out occasionally. And then there was a day where I realized my career at the company that I was working at might not be a long one, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily because of what was going on in my department, but just the company's outlook in general. Right. So the writing was kind of on the wall, and it was either do something and take a chance or don't and probably find a job in a different industry altogether. Right. Gotcha. So six great years so far under your belt. I'm assuming they're all great because you keep doing what you're doing. You keep showing up, right? Where do you see OPS Security Group in a year from now and three years from now and five years from now? So in a year from now, definitely expanding in some of our new markets up in North Jersey, Maryland, D.C. We've started those expansions about a year ago. So continuing that, building up a good employee and customer base and really replicating what we've done here in other cities. Yeah. And, you know, really the same can be said for three to five years. I don't really have 
growth goals. I don't necessarily have dollar value goals. Mm-hmm. It's really of the same thinking of how can we do in other places what we do here so well, and, yeah, and right. really help those same people kind of find their way in life. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm glad to hear you say you're expanding to northern New Jersey and Maryland and Virginia and some other areas, because we here in greater Philadelphia, you know, we call the neighborhood the 11 county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, southeastern Pennsylvania. But you go anywhere. You'll take OPS services to wherever your clients need them, I suspect. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're licensed in that state to provide the services, and feasibility-wise, it makes sense, we'll be there. Yeah, that's great. Is there a story or three that stand out for you of a project you and the team worked on that was either like really cool or really special or just the opposite? Maybe one that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go and kind of became a little bit of a challenge. So I would say one story that is really cool for us, I mean, it kind of happens frequently, and it goes back to having those conversations with what were then prospects and they don't really believe what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the same thing, I, you know, I've had four different security companies. It's been the same people. There's no change in service. What are you guys actually going to do that's any different? So we get a lot of people that really don't believe what we're saying. Right. And that we can even follow through on what we're saying. I feel like they've probably been lied to for many, many years and, you know, sold empty promises. Yeah. And are now highly skeptical of anyone that walks in their door. Right. So a really great story for us is... What we call turning prospects into evangelists. Okay. So I've taken many, many customers that were completely hesitant. They didn't really buy anything that we were saying. And a lot of those customers are my best champions in the industry right now. That's great. And it doesn't get any better than that. When your customer is your best champion, your best advocate, you're doing something right. Yep. So it's always great to, you know, the references that I can give are are pages long. Yeah. And they're all going to say the same thing. Yeah. So this might be a silly question, but who's your primary liaison or your primary contact in your customer base? Is it the real estate facilities team? Is it the head of security? I guess it depends on the industry you're interacting with. Yeah, so it is dependent, you know, in the residential space and oftentimes the commercial office space, it's usually the property manager, the facilities director. Mm -hmm. As you get into larger organizations that may be a sole tenant of a massive facility, you're probably looking at someone in procurement. There could be somebody internal as a director of security, and then they outsource all the frontline staff. Yeah. And it really just depends. And then, you know, there's another layer on top of that, which is while that might be the contact person, they're sometimes not the decision maker. So finding your way through the weeds sometimes uh, can can take several months. Yeah. So, folks, we're talking with uh, Mitch Geiger. He leads operations and is one of the founders of an organization right here in greater Philadelphia called OPS Security Group. And they're often described as the disruptor in the private security industry because they're doing things a little bit different. And they're engaging their employees. They're being more thoughtful about their training. They care about how their employees are operating, not just on the front lines when they're representing OPS, but how that ripples out into their personal lives as well. So Mitch, you're talking with folks about OPS. Maybe they're in the industry and you're at a conference or or maybe it's somebody who has no idea what the private security industry is all about. And you talk with them about being a disruptor in the industry. Help us understand what that means for somebody who may not be that familiar. You know, what's that one thing, that one or two takeaway items that you want people to know about OPS? So for us, it's really one thing, and and we call that continual service excellence. So what is meeting expectations today might not necessarily be meeting expectations tomorrow. Right. So we work really diligently to meet with our clients in person, at least on a monthly basis, to make sure 
you know, are there any changes or anything we need to be doing differently? Are we meeting expectations? What does meeting expectations look like next month? And then also, you know, with that being proactive, which I think is another hang up in my industry, Mm -hmm. you look at how uh, a lot of my competitors manage their frontline staff. And oftentimes that middle level management is just so overworked that there's no way for them to do their job effectively, make sure their staff are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and also make sure their clients are happy with the service. So our middle management probably has less than one-third of the total responsibilities of our competitors' middle management in the same role. Hmm. Okay. And what does that mean? That just means they have more time. So yeah, if, okay. if if you call them, yeah. they're going to answer the phone. Okay. If you need them to meet you on site that right. day, they're going to meet you at your location that right. day. If right. there's a problem, you will see them within 24 hours. You're not going to see them next week. You're not going to have to call them two or three times. I got you. You're not going to have to send an email and wonder, you know, where is my manager that's supposed to be making sure the staff that are working here are doing their job. Yeah. They will be there. They will answer their phone. They will answer their email, and they will be wherever you need them to be. I like that approach, and it comes back to what you were saying a moment ago about being proactive. How does your team be proactive to help your client solve either new problems or let them know that you're addressing the day-to-day needs that the organization may have? Yeah, and I think, well, you know, as much as I try to be perfect in our service delivery, I also let our clients know that we are dealing with, you know, people. They are going to make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect. Sure. I can guarantee them that we are going to do a better job more often than our competitors. Mm -hmm. And I can also guarantee them when there is a problem, we will respond and fix it much quicker than our competitors. And you'll you'll make it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's important to set those levels of expectations as well, because you're right. Things come up. Life happens. And it's going to cause adjustments that have to be addressed. And people need to be flexible and understanding of that. At the same time, we're going to make this right to ensure that the client gets the the needs that they... uh, that they're expecting. Yeah, I mean, and, and you've seen this level of customer service in many other industries. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, the security guard industry is two decades behind. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think you and your team at OPS are on to something to be able to take it to the next level and to really live that disruptor mentality that allows for a much higher quality of service where people are engaged and they care and they're they're really thoughtful about their work. That's the goal every day. Yeah, that's great. What do you love about Philadelphia? Is there a community or an activity that really pops for you? So what my wife and I really love about this city is the fact that it's a big, small city. Yeah. It's highly walkable. We live uh, in Rittenhouse, but we can walk pretty much anywhere in Center City that we need to get to. It's great that, you know, you have skyscrapers and then 20 blocks away you have single family homes. Yeah, I think it's a characteristic that's really hard to come by in most cities. And I also feel, at least from my time in some other cities on the East Coast, that there is a good sense of community, at least with the businesses that I work with, you know, a lot of the different restaurants that we go to, and even a lot of the people that I know and I'm friends with in the city. Yeah. Um, it just feels like a close-knit community inside of a city that, you know, has a lot of people. Right. That's great. So family's coming. Friends are coming. Maybe a client's coming in from out of town for a meeting. What do you share with them about, oh, you got to do this when you're in greater Philadelphia. We got to go here or we got to go there. So for us, it really starts with food. My wife and I are big foodies, and that's the other reason why we love where we live. Yeah. I tell my wife all the time when she's not sure what she could eat, tell her to go outside and just start walking, and I'm sure she'll run into at least 10 places in the first block that are more than suitable. Great, great. That's great. <laughs> uh, so we usually like to start with food, and then after that, it's really just about what they want to do. There's a lot of history here. The history is fantastic, especially for those that have never been here, have never seen it. 
you've independence mall you even have uh, the observation deck at you know liberty two there's sure. just a lot of great things and again it's all pretty much walkable yeah it's rare you know you go to other cities and if you need to get to different landmarks or different attractions you can walk, but you might be walking five miles. Yeah. Is there a, uh, I hope this doesn't press you too hard, but is there a hidden gem that you think most people don't know about when they think about greater Philadelphia that, you know, maybe you want to keep it a secret, but <laughs> there's always those kind of like hidden away places that people are like, oh my gosh, I never even heard of that. I've lived here my whole life or I've lived here for the last 15 years. I never even heard of that place. So for us, it, it's always probably going to come back to food and, yeah. and even cocktail establishments. Yeah. So for us... The one place that we like to go to, and unfortunately we don't get there too often, but the atmosphere is really cool. It's uh, one tippling place on Chestnut Street. Okay. I think it's at like 22nd-ish. But you walk in and they have a fireplace and it feels like your living room. Yeah, nice. And uh, they probably make some of the best craft cocktails in the city. That's great. Because you're right. A lot of it's about environment and what you Mm -hmm. walk into and how you feel when you're being hosted at a particular establishment uh, makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mitch Geiger, OPS Security Group. Thank you for taking time out to share with us a little bit about your story at OPS. And I'm anxious to follow it and uh, hopefully have you back sometime down the road to hear about, uh, you know, where are they now type of story. Thank you so much for joining us right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thanks for having me. Growing Greater Philadelphia is supported in part by many of our investors and partners, including Liberty Property Trust. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that have been helping businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn more about the Philadelphia Navy Yard and other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com. And by Drexel University. Drexel was founded in 1891. They're one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu. Check out all of our podcasts on radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Every Sunday, Face the Nation brings you in-depth interviews with the biggest names in Washington. Kellyanne Conway, Nancy Pelosi, Lindsey Graham, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You'll never miss an episode with the weekly podcast from CBS News Radio. Tune in to hear moderator Margaret Brennan and the country's top policymakers discuss today's toughest issues. What is going on? Is this political conspiracy or is this just incompetence? The Face the Nation podcast. Download and subscribe at the newradio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts.